This is InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's what's happening on this week's show. How bad are hunger and poor nutrition in America? Unfortunately, they're worse than ever, according to a recent study. Unhealthy food choices are a key factor. Really what we were looking at were the food environments and knowing that the experience of getting food is not equal for all people in the United States. Then, retirement may cost more than you think, with health care and taxes taking big bites. We'll hear from an expert. A 65-year-old retired couple should expect to spend $275,000 in out-of-pocket health care expenses not accounted for by Medicare. Those two interviews and more are coming your way on this week's show. Stay tuned. This week's Info Track begins right after this. Info Track. The weekly show with information you should know. Here's your host, Chris Whitting. A recent study revealed that hunger and malnutrition are worse than ever in America, with skipped meals leading to health problems. With the story, here's InfoTrack's Roy Mackey. Roy? Thank you, Chris. Our guest is Michelle Kaiser, an assistant professor of social work at The Ohio State University, and she was a lead author of a study that examined food insecurity in America. So tell us exactly what you were studying in this project. Well, we were really interested in understanding the different food environments in an urban area in Columbus, Ohio. And so we used that area to look at differences between neighborhoods that had different types of socio-demographic characteristics and also had different types and levels of investment by both the university and also private investors as well as the city. And we, what we're really looking at is the household level and individual level, what the daily experiences were for families in terms of accessing food, especially healthy food, and then also looking at the differences in the neighborhoods in terms of what types of places people could access and what are some of the challenges that people experienced in those areas. So tell us what you found, because the headline is that food insecurity is certainly greater than what most people would realize. Yeah, so one of the findings that we weren't necessarily expecting, the estimates that we get about food security are really a good starting point, but especially for urban areas and areas where there is great disparities, meaning that there's a lot of people in those areas that are, you know, middle income and then a great number of people low income and some really wealthy folks that are sort of making the statistics not exactly accurate. So when we were looking in this area, we were finding that some of the neighborhoods were experiencing rates of food insecurity three times higher than what the estimate is for the area in general. And overall, for all of the areas we looked at, so including all of those neighborhoods, the rate was actually almost two times as high as what the estimates show. So that in and of itself, I think, is very important, especially in urban areas, because we all know that those inequalities exist. And I think it was especially evident in this case. I think the second thing that's most important from our study is really what we were looking at were the food environments and knowing that the experience of getting food is not equal for all people in the United States. We have people who are not only 
low income and challenged by being able to afford food and especially healthy food. Some people are not eligible for SNAP, what used to be called food stamps benefits. Not only that, but they're living in areas where accessing a supermarket, a grocery store, a place where you can get affordable, fresh foods, where you can use coupons and your SNAP benefits, maybe your pharmacy is there, your bank, that they're not able to access those because of limited transportation and limited opportunities to get to those spaces. So in those cases, a lot of folks are using and relying on, you know, the dollar stores and the pharmacies, as well as carryouts and convenience stores, corner stores. And in those places, there's some great products that there's often not a good variety and definitely not healthy foods. So with people who are food insecure, there is a higher rate of diet-related diseases. And so being able to access foods that are diabetic-friendly or good for people with high blood pressure, high cholesterol is really important. Our guest on InfoTrack is Professor Michelle Kaiser from Ohio State University, and we're talking about a study she recently led that found a third of U.S. households, double the previous estimates, struggled to get enough food. Can you talk for a moment about the role of food banks in this problem? If people rely on food banks, you do define them as food insecure as well? In general, there are four levels of food security, and you can go on the USDA website and get the nitty-gritty details, but generally people who fall in the level of what we call low food secure are people who have periodic episodes of reduction of quality of their diet, and often we're seeing in those households people who are relying on those federal or private food programs like food banks or SNAP or WIC, and then they're sort of utilizing those programs, and those programs are great because they're keeping households from falling into that level of very low food insecurity, which used to be called food insecurity with hunger. So these are times when households are having more frequent episodes of changes in their dietary patterns, actually skipping meals or reducing the amount that they're eating. So those programs really help people stay at minimum without you know, getting to the actual risk of hunger. So the food bank system is a massive system. There's several hundred food banks that are at least part of the Feeding America network and lots of food pantries and charitable organizations that are providing food, but they're intended to be on an emergency basis. And so depending on which food pantry and which food bank and which state you're in, the amount of food or the types of food that you receive vary. And certainly those have an important place in this work. I don't think that charity can solve the problem of hunger. I think that there are some real opportunities to explore ways that local, state, and federal policy could actually improve the situations of people's food environments and also their ability to access food and especially nutritional food. So let's talk about solutions for a moment. You mentioned some potential local, state, and federal policy changes. What would you like to see happen? Well, I think our research points to a couple of different opportunities. One is that over half of the food insecure households had at least one person in the household working full time and over a third also had someone working part time. And I think that there's an opportunity there when you think, okay, people are working, but they're still not being able to meet the needs of their household. And so is there something that we can consider in terms of wages? And I think that that's a debate 
debate that happens at the national level, of course, and then state and some local municipalities have actually looked into what people might call living wage campaigns. So that's definitely one area. I think a second area and something that's always on the chopping block and up for debate are SNAP benefits. So SNAP, the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, formerly called Food Stamps. And in this program, there are different eligibility standards and requirements, and states can kind of adjust those. And some of those are pretty limiting to people to be able to access in some way to actually participate in the program can be challenging. And then second of all, really looking at whether the allotment or the amount of food stamp dollars that you get is actually enough to help households actually eat nutritionally, eat more of a balanced diet. Thirdly, there's some initiatives across the country to try to improve food offerings and working with bodegas and carryouts and corner stores to work with those stores to increase shelf space for healthy food items, as well as bring in some public health and health promotion tools in those places, making sure that they can accept SNAP, more information about recipes and stuff in those spaces, because people utilize those a lot. What I'd like to see, while people are definitely using corner stores and carryouts, all of the dollar stores, the pharmacies, and sometimes they're located right near some of those supermarkets that have closed down is to see about getting some more space there for healthy produce access and other healthy foods. Professor Michelle Kaiser, Assistant Professor of Social Work at Ohio State University, thank you very much for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me. And for InfoTrack, I'm Roy Mackey. Next, retirement may cost a lot more than you think. That story, coming up. You're listening to InfoTrack. More after this.